When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everyone, to Rockin' Nation Podcast. This is a brand new episode of Dive Cuts. We are a top 10 SB Nation college podcast, uh, and it's season five, episode 27 of Dive Cuts. I can't believe we're, we're already at this point. I'm your host, Sam Snelling. With me, as always, Matthew J. Harris. Matt, how are you? Uh, I'm fine. Uh... I'm just so glad that we have. That was my fourth intro. It was your fourth intro. <laughs> and uh, I'm just so glad we have a relentless recruiter finally in the job of Missouri basketball coach. Um, it, it's great to know that we had to be told six times today the tennis gates is a relentless recruiter. Uh, so I thought, just in case anybody missed that, I should reiterate it to start this podcast. Relentless recruiter. Dennis Gates, the... Uh, brand new as of today, today is Tuesday, March 22nd, uh, was presented as the brand new Missouri uh, head basketball coach. And it was said maybe a couple times that he is a relentless recruiter. Relentless. Not dogged, not determined, not tireless. He's <laughs> relentless. We, we couldn't think of a, of a, couldn't diversify our adjectives among three com staffs. He is without relent. <laughs> so relentless, he's gonna get a restraining order. It's gonna. That's how. Well, uh, so much so that the law enforcement officials are gonna have to intervene. 
uh, or maybe NCAA officials, uh, if he's outside the bounds of like the right contact periods, uh, who knows? Um, no, we're all uh, we're all uh, excited, right? Like this is it's something new, it's something different. Um, the news broke, uh, so we've been recording a lot of podcasts. Uh, so the news broke on Friday night as we were recording, and we did our best to react in real time, uh, but we were about two-thirds of the way through the podcast already, and it becomes sort of difficult to sort of simmer with your thoughts. Um, so Matt, I, I, I kind of thought at the time it would be a, a decent idea uh, to put a poll out and just see what uh, Mizzou fans were thinking at the time that the, uh, the hire was announced, uh, and it did not go well. Um, it, it went so poorly that I felt the need to like write a column about it. Uh, so I, I think, believe it ended up being about two to one, about 65 or 6% to 33% of people that were voting nay to the hire of Dennis Gates. Um, why do you think that is? Name ID. Uh, just, you know, it's like anything in politics that you're going to see, you know, a lot of those early polls that you'll see in any sort of campaign are, are, really dependent upon name ID and that's the job of, you know, MU's, you know, athletics comm staff, the university's comm staff to roll a guy out. That's what today was. It's today's sort of the the crescendo of that is to, you know, get a guy out there, get his resume out there, get, you know, the key talking points, you know, hammered home, even if I, I think they <laughs> lacked all nuance, but that's what it was. I mean, that's what the last three days have been is to try and flip that number and get it at least close to 50 50. Um, but I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, Cleveland state Which was is what, what's the, the board of uh, curators, board of curators, uh, Hober brokers. No, no, the uh, board, right, the board of curators, but the guy's name is like uh Hober broke or yeah. something like that. Huber, uh, whatever the guy's name, Dave matter quoted him as saying that fans were, were 50 50 uh, on, on gates, but they don't, they don't get to decide we do. Um, and I sort of commented at the time, like, you know, in, in our Slack channel, I'm like, you know, this is part of the problem with with Missouri is board of curators think they have a say. Like, no, your job is rubber stamp this. Like, if if you think I, your I sort AD of is a hiring royal the wrong we, person. We as an institution. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I, I mean, that's sort of how I interpret it. And I kind of wanted to make fun of it a little bit because it's it, it, – it sort of speaks to like this weird sort of disconnect. And, you know, I do remember there's a lot of fans. If I remember, um, you know, Mike Alden basically um, trying to figure out if he's going to be able to hire Mike Anderson after they had agreed on a contract, you know, like they were meeting, yeah. trying to decide whether to, to fire Mike Alden or not. And this is like, well, if they fire the AD, then are you going to accept the coach? And then like that, we almost lost Mike Anderson because of that. Yeah. No, I've, I'm not surprised that the reaction was the way it was because Cleveland State was knocked out, you know, in the semifinals of the Horizon League final. So there had probably been about 10 or 11 days since Cleveland State played a basketball game. And over that period, you had had, you know, Matt McMahon played in the NCAA tournament against Todd Golden. Jeff Linder had played the day before in the first four game. So you had three guys who played within 48 hours of each other, you know, Nico Medved before he, you know, re-upped his extension, you know, was gonna play Thursday. You could have you may have had three coaching candidates in Indianapolis 
play on Thursday last week. So I think a lot of it had to do probably with name ID. And then obviously Kim English is going to score well in there. So you have four or five candidates, you know, that are playing that are constantly, you know, not just in the mention for the Missouri job, but every job. So guys get, you know, fans get familiar with those resumes. They get familiar with those programs. And, you know, we wrote about Dennis Gates, you know, the first day we did the coaching search bracket, Dennis Gates was the first matchup. You know, I spent two hours reading about Dennis Gates and researching him and, you know, putting that together. And so I knew who Dennis Gates was and I didn't think it was, you know, a horrendous choice. I just think it was an unexpected choice. And I, you know, I think the fact that the numbers have flipped is sort of reflective of folks over the last couple of days have really sort of one digested it and two tried to like, just get the barest of information on him. And I think that alone sort of, you know, and the fact that, you know, fans are want to be inherently optimistic at the start of a coaching search or at the start of a coaching change. So I think that all plays into it, but I think a lot of it had to do with name ID and, you know, as he's gotten gained more exposure to the fan base over the last couple of days, that's, that's flipped. Um, so I'm not surprised at how it started. And I'm not surprised where it is right now as uh, he was introduced today. Yeah. So like the, I reran the poll today, uh, kind of trying to um, basically refute uh, whatever the board curator's name was um, saying that it was 50, 50. Cause you know, I, I, I believe that like once people familiarize themselves more with, with who it is and, and what the guy is about and what his resume is, uh, you know, that you're going to get, um, you know, a significant portion of the people that were voting nay the first time around kind of back to voting yay. And, and, it, and it got to the point, I think last I checked, it was like 85 to 15 uh, were voting yay. So that's not, that's more than just a flip. That's, you know, essentially, because uh, I, I, I think you're probably what, at like 10 Twelve percent, at least, that are going to vote nay no matter what, just because they're, you know, they're just mad at Missouri basketball. And whatever Missouri basketball is going to do is probably going to be a bad thing. So screw that. I'm voting nay. Um, actually, kind of caught a little flack in the comments for for actually using the word miserable. Um, but like, I don't necessarily like. I'm not faulting those fans for feeling that way. Like, I I do think that there's a portion of the fan base that at this point are just miserable with with Missouri basketball it's been a long long tough road of bad basketball and even like even you know the the two years that Conzo Martin made the NCAA tournament like those teams had some really like tough stretches of basketball yeah um so even in their good years recently like it's still been really tough and like you go back to uh like the year before Kim Anderson arrived, like Frank Casey year, like finished on a real, you know, down note with that team kind of struggling throughout all of SEC play and, and basically getting flopped out of the uh, SC tournament by, who was it? Southern Miss that they lost to? Out of the NIT. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's, I think yeah, it's just, it's just been a long time since Missouri basketball has been good. And so I just think people are just like, they're just tired. And you know, like, I don't blame them. Like I'm, I've been writing for the site since uh, Kim Anderson started, so I'm tired myself. Yeah, no, I've, I think a lot of it has to do with, and probably the description too. You know, if you're trying to shorthand it in 256 characters, you know, you're going to say defensive minded, you know, stripped down kind of offensively, and you know, you know, 
not always the fastest pace in the world, that's going to automatically trigger folks to think they just hired Conzo Martin, you know, a redux with, you know, the hope that this guy's a better recruiter. And that's not inaccurate, but I don't think it's necessarily, you know, a straight comparison that, that is truthful. You know, I, I think if you were to watch, you know, the nuances is the key in anything here. If you're, if you watched Dennis Gates's teams, they're, they're different than Conzo's teams are. I think in broad strokes, you could make a comparison that's pretty apt. But, you know, when you sit down and you queue up, you know, Cleveland State film, they don't look like Conzo Martin basketball teams. You know, they there there's a very different structure, style, and sort of intention behind how Dennis Gates's teams have played. So I, I think that that needs to be set out of the shoot. I think broadly speaking, though, my sense always was that fans wanted to shift away from you know, what I would say, a defense and toughness-based sort of approach to basketball. I think folks yeah. wanted to, you know, see a Matt McMahon or a Todd Golden because, you know, there's, I would say it's a proactive style. You know, they want to play basketball on the front foot. They want to attack you. They run offense, you know, that's, you know, that is assertive in that way. And they get after you and they guard, but it's not where they're rooted as at that end of the floor. You know, and I think that that's something that I think fans want. The wanted. same with Nico Medved too, who I, you know, I, I yeah. made several uh, uh, utterances that that he was sort of the guy that was at the top of my list. Um, but a, a very sort of similar thing, where you know, very known for uh, his offense, but his teams have not really traditionally been very good defensively. Right, and I think the one thing that's apt about the Medved comparison is like if you flip on a Dennis Gates game you will see facets of Colorado State's offense in what Dennis Gates runs. But Dennis Gates is not a guy who's, you know, made his reputation as someone who, you know, melded all these different offenses together in a kind of unique hybrid system. He's a guy who, you know, has made his bones as a defensive, you know, as a defense-based coach at that end of the floor. Relentless recruiter. Right. And so (laughs) I think it's just different, you know, stylistically. And, you know, that's the job you know, that comes later is to see what this looks like on the floor. Um, I would disagree with the fact, you know, with the discussion that he plays, a, as Ezra Reed Francois said, you know, that he, you know, plays a f- fast offense and, you know, tough defense, you know, they're, they play at a pretty average pace and they were in transition a lot this year, but they get in transition off of, you know, helter skelter kind of creating turnovers out of a, two, three zone, they're not coming down and running, you know, the kind of fast, quick hitting offense that, that, you know, Todd Golden or, or Matt McMahon is. But again, that's, that's, you know, parsing the finest of hairs here um, at this point. But I think a lot of that kind of fed into the fan reaction was not a lot of name ID. And then when you like tried to like give a quick, broad, dis, you know, description of his approach, it sounded awfully familiar to Conzo Martin. And that's just going to set, you know, people off at this point. You know, why did you fire a coach, you know, to hire one that is basically the same? And, you know, I think that was sort of the initial reaction. We'll see, you know, where it is, you know, as we get closer to the season and, you know, as the roster turns over and and stuff. But I think most people now, they've gotten some exposure to to Dennis and sort of his background and, and what he's about, you know, in broad strokes you know, here over the last couple of days, it's, it's, 
it's come around and, you know, there's the natural sort of optimism, you know, people want to, you know, don't, you know, want to buy in and want to, you know, believe that this guy's going to turn it around. So I think it's just, it's a natural ebb and flow uh, to it. And we'll see, you know, how, how good fans feel, you know, when they actually start playing basketball in, you know, November and what this team looks like. Well, and, 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 his defense and in Kanzo's also um, like a lot of the things that make Kanzo an appealing person, an appealing coach, an appealing leader. Um, a lot of the same traits are sort of the way people talk about Dennis Gates, uh, you know, as, as being a, like a good leader of men of being, um, you know, the kind of person that you want a character builder. Right? Yeah. Like all these kinds of things that, I mean, and realistically, like that's what you want all your coaches to sort of be. They're not all like that. Like they're not at all out here trying to, um, you know, make sure that their players are graduating and, um, you know, make sure that they're fine upstanding citizens. And, you know, like there's, there's a lot of bad dudes in, in college coaching. And I think like we've kind of seen that, um, you know, but, but you can also sort of be somebody uh, like you can be all the things that Konzo is and still uh, like be more effective at putting a roster together. Like, <laughs> you know, like, so even if uh, like, it's clear to me, I mean, anybody who, who knows Konzo Martin has spoken highly of him. Um, so like, there's nothing wrong with some of those traits kind of being in the next guy that you hire. The one thing that, that you want to see from, uh, from Dennis Gates and, and from this new coaching staff, whoever it's going to be, uh, is, is a more coherent plan of putting together a roster that makes sense. Um, you know, and I, I realize that I feel like I have to say this all the time, but, and, but, you know, like Conson Martin's a good basketball coach. And people don't believe me when I say that, or they think I'm foolish for saying that. Um, but he is a good basketball coach. He's just really, he was bad at Missouri, and I don't have enough evidence or, or to, I don't have the evidence in front of me to look back and say whether uh, he was better at Tennessee or better at, at Cal. Um, but he was bad here at managing the roster. Uh, the guys he signed, all that kind of stuff, all the, the, around the coaching thing that you have to do as a college basketball coach, he was bad at. And basically like my, my thought is if, even if Dennis Gates is a Conzo clone, if he does a better job of the roster, like he'll be fine. And I, I kind of believe that. Yeah. And I think today a lot of it was, you know, I told you, I, I went back and I watched just sort of what, you know, leadership said as they introduced Dennis. And, you know, you heard a lot of, you know, obviously aside from relentless recruiter, but you heard, a lot of talk about, you know, an engaging brand of basketball that needs to capture hearts and minds that needs to, you know, prove to the show me state, you know, that it's worth supporting. I think there's a lot of talk around that as to the fact that, and, you know, you and I talked about it at times, you know, Zoe wasn't a, a, a big marketer of the program himself or of himself at all. Yeah. You know, I think he sort of let the product speak for him. And I think that was tough at times, you know, and I think that, you know, rightly or wrongly, it came off as aloof and dispassionate, which I don't think any of us would say that about Conzo Martin, you know, as a person. But 
in the way the program sort of marketed it itself, it didn't help. And I think that's what stood out to me today was there was a, a big push to sort of say, this guy's engaging. He's going to you know be out there. The program is going to be out there. It's going to play in a way that's going to want to put fans in the stands again. And I think that that's as much about what today was and as it was introducing a basketball coach was to say, you know, we sort of hear you out there that the program doesn't play in a way that's exciting, that doesn't have, you know, any sort of real connection, you know, that's deeply tangible to the fan base. And, you know, we'll see if Dennis Gates can do that. We'll see if he can sort of connect. You know, you heard connector mentioned three times. He's a connector, you know, with people. And I think that that's another thing that sort of came out here is, I think, you know, it's not hard to see, especially with the higher VLI Drinkwitz, what at least Munchoy and what the board want in a figurehead for their two programs. They want someone who not only wins games and recruits, but somebody who's going to be able to market the program and the institution itself. So we'll see, you know, that's all ancillary again to what happens on the floor. But I think that's what I found interesting was there was a very concerted effort to sell this guy as someone who's going to be out there and going to try and connect and engage with the fan base again and hopefully have the product do it in a way that that's going to make people want to buy in. So that, that was the other sort of thing that I took away from today. Everything else, you know, was sort of paint by numbers for a press conference introducing a coach, but very paint by it numbers. wasn't <laughs> very paint, very paint by numbers. You know, I don't think any of us walked away today, you know, with any, you know, granular sort of insight into what this program is going to look like. It was, it was very much like a, a rallying around the flag type of moment for the institution. But I think it was worthwhile listening to what leadership was saying about what they wanted this hire to represent. And I think that that, that was unmistakable at least is they, they want to get back to a point where this program's engaging and where it's bringing, you know, fans in to support the program and, you know, probably more importantly to bring revenue through the door as well. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was worth kind of noting, I thought. Well, one thing, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you, I think I was kind of advising you that you probably didn't need to watch the entire uh, presser and like everything that, that Gates had to say. Um, but one one of the things that he he did say that I, I did like that I, I feel hasn't been talked about <laughs> um, is not only like every coach is going to come in and talk about winning championships, cutting down nets, et cetera, et cetera. He talked about NBA draft picks. And to me, like, that's that's an important distinction because you can talk about winning basketball all you want, but if you are not getting guys drafted, you are not building a kind of product that is going to win enough games. Like, and that's just, that's the reality. If you want to go to the final four, if you do want to cut down the nets at the end of the year, like, you know, win a national championship, you better have at least probably what, like three NBA draft picks on your roster, maybe four. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like that. This is this is the level of of talent that you need. Like Baylor last year. Um, okay, Davion Mitchell, uh, Jared Butler. Jared Butler, both drafted. Um, they and then you look at this year's roster. Jeremy Sohan. They've got um, Kendall Brown. They've got they've got guys. I mean, and they're going to get one next year in Keontae George. So. You, you get dudes. Yeah. And 
And then, like, uh, even the one, if you go back to, like, what, 2019 and uh, was when Virginia. So I was, I was kind of using, ba- like, Baylor as an example, and then Virginia as a good example, because those are those are non-blue blood schools. Um, you know, schools that have had to kind of build up the hard way. And Virginia had, what, four NBA draft picks? So they had, you know, Kyle yeah. Guy and uh, DeAndre Hunter and uh, who is the point guard uh ty jerome um mm-hmm. and i want to say there was another dude who am i who am i forgetting uh well they also had drafted by new orleans this year well they had they also had uh mamati uh, uh diakite. diakite so yeah i mean like you have nba talent on your roster so like we can talk all day about and you and i kind of did a little bit before we came on the pod I'm like I'm convinced that like the difference between like the best coach in the SEC and the worst coach in the SEC is marginal. Like I like I'm not a big fan of like Nate Oates and anybody who asks me like I'll tell him like I just don't think he's that great of a coach. I think he's a wonderful at the marketing side of it and really good at recruiting. As far as like putting a team on the floor that uh, that is far and away just in sync, like I don't think he's <laughs> somebody had said like what's the best basketball football coach in the country and maybe Alabama Nate Oates I'm like no like Nick Saban is an elite coach like Nate Oates is not like he's in my my opinion probably bottom third in the conference um you know but the difference between Nate Oates and like somebody who you would probably say is at the top of the conference maybe like Eric Musselman is not that great like I think Muss is a great coach uh, I think he sucks, and I think his antics are tiresome, um, and I hate that he's he's being as successful as he is at at, at Arkansas. But I think he's a really good basketball coach. Um, so, that it, but the difference between him and Nate Oates is is marginal. You know, one guy's a little bit better at the other things. The main thing it comes down to is like, are you able to get the players? Are you able to get the dudes to execute what you want to do? Um, and like when it comes down to whether or not Missouri is successful or not, like if if Dennis Gates is here and he's he's getting multiple draft picks every year, Missouri is going to be winning a lot of games, uh, even if he's a you know on the low end of the coaching in uh, in the league. Which you know at this point we I don't know that we have a real clear idea um, on how good of a game day coach he is until like you really kind of sit there and and get to watch him at this level. Yeah. Uh, interesting. The only other thing I thought was mildly noteworthy was when he was asked about NIL and saying, you know, it's just one part of a piece, you know, and, and I do, you know, I don't want to discount, you know, that money matters. You know, I've written a lot about it in the last couple of months, but I, I, I think the way Gates framed it, it's much more of a holistic sort of sense of what happens when you're bringing a kid in here, you know, you know, they want to see, they want to look in the fans in the stands and see our fans here supporting us. Or they want to look on the floor and say, what does this product look like? What, how am I going to be playing? How am I going to be used? You know, they want to look at the bench and they want to see, you know, what's the internal culture of this team look like. And I think more broadly, they want to look at, you know, if I, you know, I'm going to be here a year. Am I going to like being on this campus for a year? You know, there's, there's a lot more that sort of goes into it here. You know, I, I think, I think we've sort of maybe this is going to sound naive. I think we've sort of overrated the NIL piece here. 
you know, I, I think it's important. I think if you can offer kids that it's going to be fine. But I think at the end of the day, to your point, if a school's offering a kid more money in NIL, maybe that sways them. But I think what they're going to do is they're going to look at it and say, okay, but how many guys are you putting in the league? You know, what, you know, that's going to be the countervailing sort of thing there. And if you're putting guys in the league, that's going to, I think, trump all at the end of the day. And, and yeah, right, so right now, like Dennis has a, uh, a really good pitch in that he helped uh, Leonard Hamilton put a lot of dudes in the league. More, probably more cons, probably more so than Zoe at this point, I would say. Yeah. At least so that that's going to work in his favor. Um, and he's he won battles, you know, for guys who are high recruits like Jonathan Isaac or even like a Bryce Kamaji who was maybe not as you know highly valued as a recruit. So I think he can go up and down the spectrum. You can look at the recruiting ratings and the composite ratings, and sort of say I've helped guys at different levels get to where they want to be, and that's that's attractive. And, you know, there were, you know, people, you know, I spoke to during the search, you know, who were, you know, saying, you know, this is going to be a big deal for guys that are going to try and want to keep in the fold. It's, that's going to matter a lot. You know, you, where does Aiden Shaw want to be? You know, if, you know, he can love Zoe, he can love MU, but where does Aiden Shaw want to be? He wants to be in the league cashing checks. You know, if you look <laughs> at where Trevon Brazil wants to be, you know, he wants to be in the league cashing checks. You know, these are, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you want to hope that guys like the institution too, but there's self-interest in play there. So it's, you know, I think, you know, we keep talking around it. It's going to be holistic and it's going to be interesting to see what, you know, Gates's method is and how that translates and how they go about roster building. But a lot of that's going to be, you know, we haven't seen the financials yet, but what has the institution armed him with? as far as resources to build a staff to help him get those players and develop those guys. Um, you know, I, the report today was that it wasn't an insubstantial sum, but it was also a reasonable sum, which leads me to believe that maybe Dennis maybe isn't making as much as Zoe, but is that money that, you know, maybe coming off the salary line there flowing towards maybe a staff pool. Yeah. You know, if that's the case, then, that'll be certainly notable once all those contracts are out. And once, you know, Dennis has a staff that he feels comfortable actually talking about in public, but you know, that's the other piece, you know, he couldn't comment on today, but I mean, honestly, if, if he had just walked up there today and then we had, and just said, hi, I'm Dennis Gates. Here's who's on my staff. Ask me questions. I would have been fine with, with that. You know, I, what matters now is brass tacks, you know, what's the staff going to look like? what's the roster building component going to look like? So that that's really where my head is at as we sort of, you know, look back at today, you know, a lot of pomp, a lot of circumstance, you know, but who's on the staff and who's going to go try and get dudes that, that that's the brass tack matter. Right. I think, I think it's going to be really important to kind of see his contract. Uh, I really want to know what that staff pool is going to be because some of the names that we've heard sort of floated as possibilities, um, You're going to have to pay for them. Yeah, like they're not going to be cheap. Um, I don't want to necessarily, you know, spoil anything <laughs> yet. Uh, you know, because like I don't want to. Also, like I don't want to name anybody that might end up not taking the job. But I mean, we're talking poaching some some good assistance from some schools that are uh, 
up the food chain um, compared to Missouri. So like it, if he's able to get even like one of the some of the guys that we've sort of heard, like I will be, uh, I will be impressed um, because and they'll cost more than Mike Porter's. They'll cost more than Mike Porter Senior. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mike Would, Porter Senior was making uh, I think three seventy was actually affordable, uh, which was it, probably average for the SEC. He wasn't making an insane amount of money. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a three-year deal for like 1.1 or 1.2. Whatever it worked out to be, I think it was like roughly like 375K a year. Yeah. Um, And I mean, like that a few years ago, like Missouri had never really paid an assistant that much. So yeah, like that's a lot of money. Um, For Missouri. For Missouri, but it's not. Uh, for other schools, um, I I think we even talked about this on like recently talking about the uh, you know Orlando Antigua making a million dollars at Kentucky and you don't need to compete with with Kentucky, um, but you need to compete with Illinois. You need to compete with Arkansas, and those are like their assistants are making half a million dollars, four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Like they're making a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and they do it because they can get dudes. And so, like, if, if, like, I, I could see them luring a guy who's maybe, you know, second or third on the bench um, at an, a, a bigger school uh, and, and bringing them in and um, almost kind of like what uh, Frank Hafe did with, did with Tim Fuller. You know, Tim Fuller was at the end of the bench at Louisville. Uh, and got like an associate head coach tag and a, and a pay bump. Um, so, yeah. you know, but if you're able to do that, like I, I think there's a lot of value there, um, be, you know, because, I mean, like we can all say what we want about Tim Fuller at this point. I mean, I, I, I still hear from him every once in a while. He, he seemed, he's doing really well, um, you know, and, and his recruiting methods, um, you know, but he came in, he, he brought in talent. Um, he helped get Jabari Brown, uh, Jordan Clarkson. Like, you know, those are guys who are in the league or at least uh, Clarkson is. Um, so like it's very, very, very important for, uh, for the contract to be written in a way that gives, uh, you know, gives Dennis Gates a lot of flexibility with his staff and, and being able to, bring in guys who are going to help him get the kind of talent uh, that you need to win in the SEC. As much as that, too, it's going to be interesting where they want to go with the footprint of guys. You know, where are they going to try and put pipelines in? Um, you know, you presume that maybe you want to have someone with local ties in the building, you know, just to help you, you know, have some sort of outreach into Kansas City or St. Louis um, or just in the state in general. It'll be interesting to see sort of what that looks like. But as we sort of talked about on Friday, Missouri's footprint is sort of weird at this point. It's not, you know, deep in the Southeast, but it's also not in the Big Ten. But it's not in the Big 12. So you could, you now do you bring in someone who is going to try and help you maybe move into, you know, Georgia, Florida, that type of area? Or are you going to get someone who's going to get you into Chicago and the upper Midwest? You know, we saw, you know, Cornell Mann brought in, you know, and there was sort of the talk of his connections in Michigan, which netted, one player so it'll be interesting to see sort of what the makeup of the staff is and where their sort of geographic areas are and where Missouri tries to build this out I think you're going to need someone who you know Dennis Gates you know 
can you know try and you know develop those relationships he's going to have to have good relationships with local high school coaches but is there someone you know you can bring in you know that can help tee him up for success um and then just the balancing act of you know you look at his staff at at ohio at cleveland state he did that you know he hired drew joyce whose dad coaches st vincent st mary's where i think everybody knows lebron james played but drew joyce was brought in to be their director of recruiting and their special teams coach. So he basically designed ATOs, B lobs, and handled recruiting in Northeast Ohio. You know, they brought in Ryan Sharbaugh as their offensive coordinator, but he had connections across the state of Ohio. And then their defensive coordinator was a guy who had been a GA at Florida State under Leonard and got and had been at Bradley. So he had connections into sort of Illinois and Indiana and stuff. So what does the staff composition sort of look like and how does he fleshed that out and, you know, what are they going to be willing to pay to get someone in the door here to get people in the door to help him do that? That's that's sort of the next piece um, that, that'll be worth watching over the next couple of weeks. So uh, aside from that, like as soon as we um, have contract details, I think we're going to try to get a breakdown. And, and now that we have a, a lawyer on staff, like we'll actually be able to um, make sure that it's parsed out uh, and any lawyerly language that might be in there. Um, Matt Watkins will be able to break down for us, which I think will be helpful. Um, In-house counsel is always nice. To in the have. meantime, like the roster. Yeah. <laughs> in-house counsel. Let's just refer to uh, Watkins as that now. Um, but in the meantime, like we, sh- we should probably talk about this roster. Uh, since the, uh, the news broke, I guess, that Trevor uh, Brazil is entering the transfer portal, as is uh, Javon Pickett. Um, I was sort of curious if Javon was going to try to play another year. Uh, I'm actually kind of happy that he is, and I hope hope he's able to um, to find a program where he fits. Um, I don't think it's going to be at Missouri. Uh, I, I think I think. You know, Gates is probably a guy who wants to use all his available scholarships on some some new blood, um, and I all. But I also don't think that we've seen the end of the transfer portal. Like I really think there's going to be a lot more of the team going into the portal and at least sort of checking their options. And truth be told, like I really think that they should all do that. Like if you have the ability to um, to transfer to a different place where you feel more at home. Uh, you know, because the coach that you committed to play for is not there anymore, uh, then I think you should do that. Um, and so I don't think we've seen the end of it, but uh, thoughts on, you know, well, let's just start with Brazil, uh, since he's probably the, the headliner here. Uh, thoughts on Brazil going into the portal? Uh, yeah, we, I mean, we've known at least for a couple of days that, that this was imminent. Um, the post indicated as much we've had to try and tweak that and that's it went up but it, this is i think some of the verbiage might the, still it be was a not <laughs> it might still be but um <laughs> this was not a shock i mean I, I i that's the one thing i would say to folks is you know we've tried to talk around it or be oblique kind of you know oblique or obtuse about it but this is not a shock that this has happened um you know this is gonna happen interest. no matter who the coach was too like it was going to happen no matter and no no matter what happened. You know, frankly, at the, the, like if Zoe was retained, he was going to go in. If Zoe was fired, he was going to go in. If they no matter who they hired, he was going to go in. Like he was going to go in no matter what. And 
it may not matter if Dennis is here, if if he's going to be back or not. Maybe just the level of programs that are you know touching base with you know Trevin are, are it's going to make it really hard to have a a rebuild year, you know, worthwhile for him. So I, I would sort of say that that one is dicey the question will be you know does anton brookshire want to decouple his future from uh from trevins and i think the one thing that's where the style of play is going to matter here offensively at least how dennis gates played at cleveland state i don't know if he's necessarily a fit for anton brookshire now we've got to see what that change if there's any stylistic change when you know he comes in you know, as he moves up to a high major level. But at least from what I've been able to see at Cleveland State, there's not a ton of overlap, at least in terms of how Anton Brookshire's played. Trevor Brazil would absolutely fit with what Dennis Gates wants to do. Trevor Brazil would fit with what of, a lot of coaches want to do. With a lot of, <laughs> but, uh, but particularly with Dennis Gates. But yeah. particularly with Dennis Gates. But the level of suitor he's going to have, I think, is going to make that hard. Now, if Dennis convinces him to stay and pulls that off that might be his biggest recruiting coup that he's going to have you know i think you look at a guy like aiden shaw would fit you know with what dennis gates wants but again aiden shaw would fit with a lot of guys want the real question is going to be you know does anton brookshire decide that this is a place he wants to stay and you know where the fit is there and if he's going to move on is he going to try and move to a place where Trevor brazil is or is he going to really look you know, and, and I think you and I have talked about this. You know, I know they come from the same high school. They come from the same AAU program. But is it time for him to sort of say, okay, I need to look out at what fit is absolutely best for me. And, you know, I need to go someplace where I know I'm going to, you know, get minutes at this point. You know, I think that, you know, I yin and yang, you know, between, you know, how much, you know, guys get better in practice and practice matters versus at some point you need, you need to log minutes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where Anton is, is, you know, I think, you know, wherever he goes, if he can find the scheme fit and he can show that he can get better in practice, that's fine. But if he can get to a place where he's playing 18, 20 minutes a night, you know, 600 minutes in a season, I think that's going to be what benefits him most is and finding a place that's going to do that give him that opportunity i think is sort of paramount but i don't know i don't know what your thoughts are sort of on both those guys because that anton brushire feels like kind of the the guy who's maybe got kind of the most to sort of figure out here is as he goes you know about finding a new uh place to play potentially well so uh i do know that um there is at least an existing relationship uh enough that both of those guys are, um, we'll just say that they're more interested uh, in listening to this staff than before. <laughs> um, I, I don't think that necessarily means that they're going to come back. I don't, you know, like, and this goes for both both guys. Um, but having at least something there. Uh, does matter so so both those guys could come back whether or not they do um you know it 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 will come down to like what they want to do and that's like the the tough thing is you know if if either guy is 
got a better offer, um, you know, has a, a, a more clearly defined role from a coach who's done it with players that are, you know, similar to them and had, you know, and produced good results and all that kind of stuff. And, and clearly you're, you're probably looking at watching both of them go. Um, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm Dennis Gates, like the first thing I'm doing is I'm trying to make sure really both those guys come back. I, you know, I think, I think Anton, uh, I think Anton would benefit a lot. Uh, and like one of the things that you and I were kind of talking about before we kind of came on the podcast. And one of the things that I found fascinating with, uh, with this whole like Gates thing is I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't go for like the platitudes. Um, I understand coaches have to say them. And like, if you're, if it's a press conference, like you're not really getting into the dirt or the weeds of, you know, of, of what, you know, your core beliefs as a coach are. Um, but there's a, a podcast that, uh, Rockham Nation retweeted, uh, from Chris Oliver, who does, uh, basketball immersion. Um, he does a really, really good podcast. They get really, really deep. Uh, if you're a basketball nerd like Matt and I are, then I, I suspect that you will enjoy it. Uh, but he interviewed um, Dennis Gates a couple years ago. Uh, you know, and, and I, th- I think if my memory is correct, like I think, um, I think Gates has like a, like a master's in master's like, adult education. I yeah, think. adult ed- education. So he has like a, a deeper understanding of how people learn. Um, than, than probably your average basketball coach. Uh, and listening to that conversation was just, was fascinating because it's basically a guy who understands like learning at a, you know, a, a, a secondary college, you know, graduate level uh, understanding and, and, and essentially applying it to, to how it works in basketball and, and, uh, and how he conducts practices, how he interacts with his players, what his beliefs are and how, you sort of put players in different positions and it's really like, it was just a fascinating conversation. Uh, and so that's one of the reasons why I think somebody like Anton could really benefit from being around somebody. Cause, cause Zoe is a little more old school, um, you know, where he's a little bit more close to the vest. He wants you to go out and kind of do your hard work and, and, and prove yourself through the hard work. Uh, and I, I do think that there are players who absolutely connect with Zoe and there are players who absolutely do not connect with him. Um, and I think like, that's one of the uh, like, I think Trey Jackson is probably a good example of a guy who, um, you know, just didn't, didn't connect, uh, didn't have, uh, you know, the right uh, tutorship from, from Martin. Uh, and I think Anton Brookshire is very, very similar. Uh, and maybe somebody like Dennis Gates, who, you know, as he gets to know these guys, like maybe somebody like that is, is exactly what Anton needs. Cause I still believe in Anton's talent. Um, I still think he's a guy, um, I mean, there was nothing that I saw from him this year that, that I thought, oh man, he's, he's ready to blow things out of the water. Um, but as like a rotational guy, like in the future, I, I think he's, he could be a really good player. Like he's still shoots the ball. Well, like, you know, he, he can handle the ball. Well, he sees the floor. Well, um, if he can figure the things out, then I think you've, you've got a really good player for, 
for for multiple years and and I think that there's value in that so I don't know like I I could see I could see kind of both sides of 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 Dennis Basie saying you know what I'm gonna go and and take the scholarships that I have available uh, and really focus on on kind of setting something uh, new for this program um, and focusing on guys that I think are maybe more desirable, like Aiden Shaw, uh, Trevin Brazil. But I think there's a lot of value in Anton. And as, as we sort of read about and, you know, Matt's worked on, you know, a little bit over the weekend, there, there are deep connections in the JUCO ranks too that I think you have to consider as this roster building process moves forward. Um, you know, Missouri had offered two JUCO guys and Sean East and DeShondre Washington. And the nice part about sort of that facet there is, you know, you know, those are guys when there's connections, at those programs, and it's a market that, you know, those guys will tell you they love Dennis Gates and that he does a really, really good job recruiting in that space. And he's respected by coaches. Those are two top 10 Juco players. Now what that means relative to like a top 10, you know, high school prospect, wildly different but those are guys that if you're looking for a scoring point and a jumbo wing both those guys fit the bill and you know if you needed to you know especially i think of deshondre washington with deep connections in the florida jucos where dennis has been if you wanted to go get a guy like that you know i don't know how you know much missouri had even been recruiting him prior to conzo being dismissed i know he had had an offer from last fall but you know, do you go and you sort of try and work at that JUCO level to find some guys to sort of do what we're talking about here, which is, you know, if you can get keep Aiden Shaw in the fold and you can keep from Brazil, you know, as your sort of guys who are going to be maybe your upper tier pieces, you can be able to find guys in the JUCO ranks who can sort of give you some immediate impact there. Or do you use that spot for Anton Brookshire and say, hey, we can we can get something out of this guy. So that I think that's going to be interesting. Um, Dennis, you know, he was at Cleveland State, didn't really go into the transfer portal as heavily as he went into the JUCO ranks. That was sort of an area where he felt um, talent was under-evaluated and undervalued. So that, that'll be interesting if he goes into that space and tries to, you know, fill a couple of spots that way. You know, it, I think that could be effective, you know, as you're trying to fill four spots. But uh, who knows? We're, we're probably not going to see the last, you know, bit of roster turnover here, you know, Four is, I think last year the SEC saw six or seven spots turnover usually. So that would, if we had another year, last year it's three spots left that could probably turn over. And that's, you know, before you consider a coaching change. Um, do you have any thoughts on, on Javon? If you wanted to keep him around, I think this is, as a culture guy and as a locker room guy, you know, and as a guy who brings work ethic, I think there's there's definitely, you know, potential there. Um, does he want to stick around? That's really something, you know, I think he's got to ask. He's got a COVID year. Does he want to spend a COVID year in a reboot? You know, if if I were Javon, I would want to go find a place where I'm going to have a chance, you know, to contend for the postseason. To maybe, whether that's dropping down to a mid-major plus program, you know, where I can maybe, you know, come in and be a, a key contributor on a team that I think can get to an NCAA tournament or going to a, like doing what Mark Smith did and trying to go and become a rotational guy at a high major that's trying to, you know, get into the mix for a, you know, on the bubble, you know, 
I don't know how he'll be evaluated in the transfer market, you know, at this point, but if it were me and I had, you know, graduated and I had a free pass and I could go somewhere, you know, I, I would probably look outside of where I'd been just to, you know, give myself a chance to maximize that one year. So if you wanted to stay and, you know, continue to be a, a guy who can lend some experience and, you know, an old head to the roster, fine. I, I just think if I were Javon, I would want to go out and give myself a chance to absolutely maximize the COVID year I got. So and probably I'm not also, trying to push him out. Uh, you know, like the likelihood of Missouri, you know, turning around and, and you know, being good, playing in an NCAA tournament <laughs> uh, next year, pretty low. Um, so maybe go find a place where you can win, like in your, your last year. Uh, I think, uh, you know, like even if it means maybe, you know, dropping down a level, you know, going to like the A-10 or NBC, like I, I, I just think, you know, I think, you know, Pickett's going to be a guy who can find value at a lot of different rosters, um, you know. He's played a lot of minutes. He's been valuable. It's, as you know, a floor space kind of guy, a guy who can catch on that weak side, rip and go. He's going to compete on the glass. You know, he works hard. We know that. There's a lot of things that I think a lot of coaches would see in him and say, yeah, I want to have that guy in my program and, and you know, impart some of that experience to my guys and, and stuff. It's just, it's what does he want out of that one year? And if, if it aligns with what Dennis wants to do here. So with that said, um, did, did we get on all the topics that we said we were going to? Did we miss anything? No, we got we got to staff, we got to you know the transfer portal, and we we covered Dennis's uh, unveiling to the masses. Uh, I think we, we've done enough potting. We've done. <laughs> There's been a lot of podcasts. Probably three hours of potting in the last week. Um, so, um, but I do think the, the horse has been sufficiently beaten. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do think that we're going to go again next week um, before we switch to full off-season mode. Um, before the box score is going to uh, review the spring game and all that stuff, uh, I believe, this week. So that'll kind of put us in an every other week uh, set up for uh, everybody's off-season enjoyment. Um, but yeah, so I think next week, what we'll, by then we should have the contract. We should have a better idea. Maybe there's... Um, you know, a higher made. Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, Gonzo, like everybody knew Michael Porter Sr. was coming back to Missouri. Uh, and even that took like five days, I think, six days, something like that, before yeah. it was announced. Um, so it would not surprise me if we didn't have an announcement on a new coach or a, an assistant coach for, for another week. Uh, or, you know, maybe there's something tomorrow. But either way. Uh, next week we will have contracts. Hopefully by then to kind of talk about what kind of assistant pool we'll be dealing with, what kind of uh, what kind of names you can get, and then uh, by then we should also probably have a pretty clear idea of some of the people that uh, that Dennis Gates has reached out to as far as um, you know who he may want to add to the roster for next year. Uh, so I think the next uh, probably three four weeks are going to be um, interesting and uh, there's gonna be a lot of news happening uh and we will be there to cover it all uh so anything else you want to say before we get out of here uh nope i think i think we've got we've covered it all matt uh i'm i'm tired of talking to you it's it's been too many podcasts recently um we'll be back next week make sure you do follow matt for all your uh 
your Mizzou basketball needs uh, at uh, Matt J Harris 85. You're doing a good job of uh, getting out there, talking to some coaches and seeing what the playing style is going to be like, what we can expect from a Dennis Gates team. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, make sure you're also following at Data Mizzou. Our good friend Matt Watkins uh, is doing all kinds of fun, interesting coverage. Uh, he actually talked to some of the JUCO co- uh, coaches, and we're going to get some quotes from them on how much they love Dennis Gates. Uh, and then you can also follow me, Sam T. Snelling. Um, I'm mostly just you know, tweeting out nonsense, um, but that's where we are. That's what Twitter's for, right? Um, <laughs> make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can get this and all of our other podcasts streamed straight to your phone. And then we'll be back next week with more Dive Cuts. Until then, thanks for joining